Well, good evening. Hello, church family. Welcome to This Is Why We Have the Psalms. It's our Wednesday night study that we began several weeks ago. And um, during this season, it's been good to connect with you uh, in the book of Psalms. If you wouldn't mind, uh, leave me a comment and let me know that you're here tonight. want to be sure to... Um, see your face and uh, and just know that you're with us. Hey, Josh. Okay. Hey, Candy. Okay, great. It's working. It's working. Every time it works, I'm always so delighted. Welcome to those who are joining us uh, by podcast. I'm going to hit the share button real quick and just share this out with my friends. And I invite you to do the same with your friends. So go ahead and do that. And thank you for always uh, always sharing the post. We're reaching uh, out to a lot of people with these messages. So we're going to jump in tonight. We're going to read Psalm 63 together. Good evening to uh, Michelle. Hey, Sheila and Alicia, the other Alicia, back to back. Wanda and Mary and June and Kim and Matt and Autumn. And it looks like Diane and Joyce and Brian and and many more. And we'll just let the people begin to gather around uh, the screens here. Hey, Josh and Ashley, good evening from right around the corner. Well, um, I hope you're doing well. How are you doing? How are you? Leave me a note there and let me know. Are we good? What are you up to these days? Is everything okay? I assume that it is. If it's not, I hope that you'll let us know. And uh, just leave me a little note here. I just want to check in. We're not gonna. We're not gonna spend too much time. Oh my word! It has happened. It has finally happened. Kent Gravely, right there. You guys, just a special, a special Wednesday night. This is why we have the Psalms. Welcome to my beloved friend P. Kent Gravely from the great town of Mount Airy, North Carolina. If you say Mount Airy fast, it sounds like Mayberry. And if you're like, I've heard of Mayberry, that's because Andy Griffith is from Mount Airy, North Carolina. And P. Kent Gravely is the unofficial mayor of Mount Airy, North Carolina. And just a beloved friend, one of my dearest mates in the whole world. So Kent, I can't believe you're here. Well, and I hope you hung around long enough to hear that warm welcome to you and Bonnie and the kids. Okay. All right. There he is. Okay. Good. Let's do Psalm 63. And let's let's pray together. God, our uh our days are so full of thoughts, so full of happenings, so full of anxieties, so full of little moments of joy if we have eyes to see them. And God, I just ask that your word, which is eternal, would come forward and it would speak to our hearts and change our lives in these next few moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll read Psalm 63 and um, just feel free to chatter in the comments sections, if you will. Here we go. This is a Psalm of David. It says, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, 
O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. I love this one. I read it and um, I knew it was the one for us for tonight. And you know what we do? Usually we just go couple lines at a time, and I would love to hear your thoughts as we go. So it begins with, oh God, you are my God. When I read that, there's something about the shift from talking about God in general to talking about God as my God, my God. It's one thing to, to speak about a God that's far off, but when you're talking to your friends, and you start talking about your God, you say, my God did this for me. My God brought me through this situation. Then it's personal. Then it's intimate. Then you have something invested in the relationship. A lot of people believe in God and it costs them very little. But to claim God as your God means that you have something in on the relationship. You can tell how much a person likes her or his pastor by the way that this person introduces the pastor. So if a person were to introduce a pastor to another person and they would say, this is the pastor, this is the pastor. Well, that doesn't have very much intimacy or possession like this is the pastor. It's like this is the state of Florida or this is, you can make a little bit of a shift to say, this is our pastor. So you can go from this is the pastor to this is our pastor, our pastor. And it means that you're part of it, but it's still a little general. But when you make the shift to this is my pastor, <clears throat> then at that point, you know, you've said, I, I've embraced this person and this person's voice in my life. And when I heard that illustration several years ago, 
I thought it, that it applied right here. From saying God to our God to my God. <clears throat> so if you notice on Wednesday mornings, whenever I introduce Pastor Phil, or Sunday mornings when I introduce Pastor Phil, I say, and now it's time, would you please welcome your pastor and mine? Because he's my pastor. And in this sense, David is saying, he's not just God, he's my God. He's my God. And that's perhaps the most beautiful claim that you could have in the whole world is to say that this God who created the whole thing, all of the trees, the rivers, the lakes, is your God. And that's a beautiful thing. I just love that. When Christ was on the cross, how did he pray? What did he say right before he breathed his last? He prayed the Psalms. He prayed Psalm 22. And if you know how it goes, it goes a little something like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's one thing to say God in front of others. It's another thing to say my God in front of others, especially when times are tough. To say my God will see me through. Jesus modeled this for us. So I want to just pause here for a moment and see what speaks to you. <clears throat> Excuse me for the throat clearing. I want to see what speaks to you here. Sheena makes the observation it's an it's an intimate relationship. Kent says, my pastor. Looking forward to the word this evening. Hey Tawanda, good evening. <clears throat> yeah. Good. You know, some would say this is the wife. Or this is the husband. Let's just use the wife one. This is the wife. She's not the wife. She's, she's my wife. Right? So let's move to uh, verse uh, the second part of verse 1. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. So my God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. When I read that, I thought, you know, the Psalms are the prayers we pray when, when we don't necessarily know what to pray. And the Psalms give us language and they direct our thoughts and our focus. And when I read this Psalm 63, I thought, I don't know how earnestly I seek the Lord every day. It's a big, a big thought. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you earnestly I seek you. How earnest is your seeking of God? Because those who seek the Lord with their whole heart will find him. <clears throat> but how earnest? Do you do devotions or are you living devoted? Do you seek the Lord just in moments or do you live in this earnest seeking of God? And that was very challenging to me. Because if I'm honest, I don't know that my seeking of the Lord could be classified as earnest. Do I seek for the Lord like I seek for a treasure hidden in a field or like a lost coin or like a lost sheep? Because that's what Jesus was saying. It's like when you're really going after the kingdom of the heavens. And I think David was dialed into that earnestly. 
I seek you. Well, how earnestly do I see you? I, I seek you like my soul is thirsty for you in a dry land where there is no water. I'm seeking you like my flesh is failing, like I'm like I'm faint and I'm seeking you because I need the nourishment that comes from the intimacy with my God. So that to me was very provocative. When I read that, I thought, wow, that's, I don't know I could classify my, my seeking of the Lord as earnest. Josh says, that's convicting. I don't know if I've ever said my God to someone else. Yeah, it convicted me, Josh. I'm, I'm just talking to you out of the overflow of my own observations here. That's, that's why I brought it up. And I'm glad it convicts you. That, that means that the word is doing the same work in you that it does in me. Uh, our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow to yours. That's Kent. Doing devotions or living devoted. I thought the very same thing. Am I seeking him earnestly daily or during my peak and or valley times? So how earnest am I seeking the Lord? Is it as earnest as one seeks water in a dry land? So think about what it would look like for you to earnestly seek the Lord. And I want you to ask yourself that question. What would it look like for you to earnestly seek the Lord? Beth McWaters, what a great insight. In a time of desperation when nothing else can satisfy or bring you comfort. It's beautiful, Beth. Really well said. All right, let's go to verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. You know, you can interpret this a lot of ways. One is, you could say somehow David, you know, was writing this from the, the sanctuary. You know, as king, he would have some level of access to those things, I would think. I don't know all the technicalities. But it says that he composed it when he was in the wilderness. So where wherever he was, he certainly is, is, is desiring to behold the Lord's glory and his power. But it just struck me when, when it says, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary. But if he's in the wilderness, how does he look upon him in the sanctuary? If he's speaking in real time, what he's saying is, I'm in the middle of this wilderness and I'm remembering you in the sanctuary. I'm remembering whatever I was with you remembering when I wasn't on the run. I'm remembering when I was at home. I'm remembering when God's people, the collective gathering throng of celebrators and God worshipers would come together. I'm remembering you. It's the power of sacred memory. We've talked about this before. The power of sacred memory is far easier for me to conjure up the memories of things that I would rather forget and to draw upon those emotions than it is to practice the discipline of sacred memory, which brings with it the emotions that nourish the soul. And so if David is in the wilderness and he's saying, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory can only be the power of memory. Or he's saying, I, I you know, there was a time where I looked upon you in the sanctuary. Either, either way. He he's remembering in this moment. I just thought it was powerful whenever you're in the wilderness, whenever it's a hard season that you remember the Lord, look upon him in the sanctuary, beholding his power and his glory. Katrina says, so partly for me, I, I feel selfish when I claim it as my God. So I typically reference him as our God. 
but your insight definitely makes me want to claim his name in a different sense. Yeah, it, it can come across that way. Um, but it's, you know, it's not selfish. I, I don't think it's selfish. I think you're okay. I think you're okay. When you frame it a little bit different as we're talking about. So that's a good insight, Katrina. Sheila, he is our sanctuary. He is my sanctuary. There you go. The little shift, you see what it does? That's the whole thing for me. I could just stop talking tonight. I just might. I don't know. The whole shift is, he's not just God. He's not just our God. He's my God. It's my God. Earnestly, I seek. Earnestly, I want to seek you. Earnestly, I seek your face. That's the invitation. The invitation is to desire God with your whole being and to claim God as your God because there's plenty of God to go around. It's just that so few people care to put in the effort and the desire. If you're not hungry for God, it's okay to pray, God, would you make me hungry for you? If you don't understand the things of God, it's okay to say, God, I lack wisdom. Would you give me wisdom? And, and the scripture says that God will give you wisdom. Sheena says, this season I feel hidden in him, and I have such comfort in that feeling. Sanctuary, I love that. Yeah, there, there are seasons where we feel really close, and then there are seasons where we're far away, and we just have to remember. So wherever you are, the one thing that you can control is the earnestly seeking. You can't control the feelings. You can't control the circumstances. You can't often control the suffering. You can't often control how good things are going. But I think, I think you can control the seeking. It's just right there in my own soul. I just feel it. It's like I miss him, you know. Some days I feel really close and some days I feel really far. But you can't judge... All you can do is seek. All you can do is seek. The temptation is when you feel close as you pull back and you stop seeking because you're satisfied. But when you feel close, you continue to seek. The healthy marriages are the ones that continue to seek one another. Even when things are good, they don't coast. They continue to seek. You can't control the circumstances. You can't control the feelings. You can't even control the outcomes. All you can control is the seeking. The only thing that you have any agency over is your own perspective, your own seeking, your own outlook, your own attitude. So, good. Okay. So, Miss Joyce May says, how we address someone often tells what we expect of them. Hmm. You are what you love, says Brandon. I've, I watched part of Brandon's thing. I missed it on Tuesday Live, but thank you all for tuning in to that. He's such a dear brother. Sandy says, where's your focus? Okay, well, we've made it through two verses. You know, we're not going to, we may not even make it the whole way. You, you, you have a copy. You can keep reading. Where are we? So, let's go to verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. 
Is the love of God better than life? Or do we forsake the experience and the knowledge of the love of God for all of the things of life? Can we honestly say to the Lord, Lord, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. That's a big, bold claim. Your love is better than life. But if it's true, and it is true, then our lips will praise Him. There's something about saying the praises of God out loud. We've talked about this before. About saying the praises of God. Your, your own soul needs to hear your voice. Your family needs to hear your voice. Listen, a hundred years from now, the deepest reality that's often buried just beneath your own awareness will be the clearest reality because you'll be with God face to face. And I think that in times like that, you can look back on times like these and wonder, I just wish I would have opened my mouth a little bit more to praise the Lord and share the goodness of God with other people. Because that will be your reality one day, is the goodness of God. And this is an invitation to pierce that veil and and just uh, let a little bit of heaven come to earth through your own your own praises. So I also was was just researching, and uh, apparently this this is believed to be um, a confession that the ancient Christians picked up whenever they would sign on the line to follow Jesus, so to speak. They they were in some sense signing their own death certificate as persecuted Christians, and they would say, "The love of God is better than my own life." The love of God is better than my own life. Tim says a life without God's love isn't worth living. It's a hollow existence. I love this. Y'all feel free to comment in the margins. Feel free to share. If you haven't hit the share button yet, hit the share button. Feel free to like and comment. The dialogue out here in the margins is really, is really good. I just love this. Okay. All right. So let's look at five and six together. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So the, the soul feasts on God. Well, let me read verse 6. So it's 5 and 6. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. That was the part that stood out to me. So one is the soul feasts on God. God is the God is the meal that the soul feasts upon. And he says, my soul will be satisfied when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night. My soul will be satisfied when I meditate upon you. So my soul will be satisfied as, and then he gives a simile, right? As with the richest affair and the fat food and all those things. But my soul will be satisfied as with these things when I meditate on you. And I, I almost, I don't want to delete anything from Scripture, but I want to pull those things out for a minute. The My soul will be satisfied. And then just, because it gives a description of what that satisfaction is like, but my soul will be satisfied when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. It's during the nighttime whenever you can ruminate on worst case scenarios, whenever you can hear sounds in the darkness. In fact, last night I I woke up and then I heard a thud and then my dog started barking. I have a choice at that point in time, what I meditate upon. 
So you can meditate upon God. And I thought this was an interesting perspective because it doesn't say meditate upon Scripture. What does it say? It says med meditate on you. God, I meditate on you in the watches of the night. God, I meditate on you. To meditate is just to think deeply. So you can meditate on this pen. Right here. You can meditate on this pen. Now, I don't know how much good it would do you. But if I were to sit here and focus on this pen, I'm sure that my mind would relax a little bit because your brain craves focus, right? You can meditate as you look at a candle. But Christian meditation is much richer because it invites you to meditate upon Scripture. And here the psalmist says that he actually meditates on God in the watches of the night. I love that. So let's look here for a moment just in the margins and see where we are. Hello, Cecil. Good to see you. Elsie says, I'm guilty of not taking every opportunity to tell of my God. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, Joyce says, and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Thank you for saving me. It's beautiful. Well, let's see what Katrina says. Everybody, let's read Katrina's thoughts real quick. His love is absolutely better than life. When my spirit is full, I feel that I can encounter his presence in this world have the ability to do so whenever I choose. It's just incredible. I'm always in awe of him. It's hard to wrap my mind around it sometimes. I always do a devotion and then talk to him until I fall, fall asleep. It's a great way to fall asleep. We're God's beloved and he is our beloved. Yeah. Beautiful. I just thought that was cool. You choose what you feast upon. Your soul your soul, you know, we talked about doesn't desire the empty empty calories, but your soul desires the, the rich food. All right. Um, verse number seven. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So some would say that this, uh, because David might have spent some time in the temple, he certainly knew of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, up close and personal and how the figures had their wings that would cover it some would say that David's thinking about that you could also say that this is David thinking of God perhaps like a like a mother hen or like some bird that would shelter chicks under its wings whatever this is God's presence is the refuge that the psalmist speaks about and then finally, um, in verse 8, uh, my soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. The soul's deepest desire is for God. And then David, you know, does what David does. He says, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God and all who swear by him shall exult for the mouths of liars will be stopped. It's interesting that the mouths of liars, the mouths of liars is stopped. But when you go back up here, it talks about um, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips in verse five. So the mouth of the righteous person praises God, but the mouths of liars are stopped. You know, we need the mouths of liars to be stopped. I suppose if that would happen, about 90 percent of all media would go away instantly. Liars, thieves, crooks, marketers, storytellers and spin doctors. Certainly there are some truth tellers out there. And I'm sure that your favorite channel is the one that tells the truth. But nevertheless, 
David prays that his enemies would be, be silenced. And so remember, we pray it out so we don't have to act it out. But first and foremost, we seek, we seek God. Well, let's see the comments and then we're going to wrap up for tonight. My mind keeps me up or wakes me up. It isn't until I meditate on God that I'm calm enough to sleep again. Meditation on God is, is not often easy, but when your mind wanders, you bring it back. It's something I'm, the way my little brain's wired, it, it doesn't like to focus in that way. So I'm, I'm, I want you to know I'm in this with y'all. Uh, he loves me, he wants me, he holds me. This, it's the personal relationship you're talking about. It's beautiful. When Josh is gone, I'm trying to fall asleep. My fear can creep in. It's when I start to think about God and my mind calms down, I'm able to find rest. Good. Beautiful. Any final thoughts or comments? We're bumping up against uh, the 7 o'clock hour here, which means absolutely nothing, except for the fact that I usually try and do this in about 30 minutes or so. What uh, What final thoughts? Does anybody need prayer for anything? Feel free to mention that uh, as well. And so um, while I'm waiting on some of those things to come in, uh, I believe that Pastor Kira is going to be giving us the devotion tomorrow in the morning. And then uh, I think Pastor Jeff is on Friday. And then actually I'm going to pick up and do the morning devotions the following week. And um, then we'll be back here on Wednesday night for this is why we have the Psalms. All right, my friends, I think... I think that it looks like you all have gone as far as you want to go. I hope that was encouraging to you. I also hope it's very real. I, I'm not jumpy with the Psalms. The Psalms don't give me energy a lot of the times. What they do is they just remind me. They just bring me back. And so at the end of a long day, at the end of a hard week, at the, um, at the end of a good day, at the end of a good week, the Psalms just anchor our hearts. They're the prayers we pray their language for the soul. So I want to encourage you to find one line or two lines, three lines in this and, uh, and meditate on that. I never really, if I'm, if I'm telling you the truth with this Psalm, I really only cared about the first verse. That's it. I wanted to do this whole Psalm just for the first verse. Probably could have stopped. Maybe I should have stopped but I felt obligated to go the whole way. But it's okay to not uh, not go all, not, not focus on the whole thing. I, I want to tell you something really quick. I want to knock the edges off of like reading for just a second. I don't know why this comes to my mind, but maybe it'll encourage somebody. I was talking to my friend Arthur. Um, I refer to him as my rabbi friend, but he was the former CEO of uh, the then largest uh, Jewish publishing house in the country. And he's published over 650 books uh, in his lifetime. And he's, he's, not, he's still writing books. Um, but he said, he said, I hardly ever read a full book cover to cover. And this guy reads all the time. But he just kind of reads until he feels like he's done with it. And then apparently he sets it aside. We have like this this fascination with finishing. And I think that there's something to be said for finishing. And I also think there's something to be said for when you're done eating, just stop and let the guilt go. What do you do? You finish the book. Who cares? I mean, aside from just the discipline of finishing, which maybe there's something to that. I'm sure there is. 
yet at the same time, it just gave me a lot of freedom whenever he said, you know, hardly ever read a whole book. I just, uh, I just read till I'm done. That's kind of how I interpreted it. And so with the Psalms, maybe we'll do that one night. Maybe we won't do the whole thing. But I wanted to see what stuck out to you. Well, church family, um, I love you. I miss you. I want to see you soon. And who knows what we're going to talk about when we're together. But until we are, I covet your prayers. I'm going to ask you, whenever you get off of this, just pray for me. You're like, what are we going to pray for you about? I don't care. Just pray for me. And whenever I got off of this, I'm going to pray for you. The advantage is all oh, y'all praying for one person, and then I'm going to be praying for like however many of you that there are. So just oblige me a little bit tonight. It'll be fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you. And I think that's it. Oh, Connie, that's so kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that I get to do this. It's a privilege to do this. I look forward to these. I don't get to do enough of them. I can do them like one a day. I just love doing it. Well, thank you, church. Bye-bye.